You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's Cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Welcome to our A's Farm podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. And today, we're going to be taking a look at the 2019 Stockton Ports. We're going to start out by talking with Stockton pitching coach and former A's pitcher Chris Smith about his first year on the job in Stockton. After that, we're going to be joined by one of the A's top draft picks last year, infielder Jeremy Ironman. Then we'll catch up with one of Stockton's top hitters this season, third baseman Jonah Bride. And finally, we'll check in with Port's play-by-play man, Zach Beirudi, to get his take on the 2019 Stockton squad. But first, we caught up with Chris Smith just a week before wrapping up his first season as the Port's pitching coach. Hey, thanks for joining us, Chris. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Now, this is your first season as a pitching coach here. I'm curious to know, how, how do you like the job? How do you like the gig? How do you feel everything's going here for you? Um, we've had our struggles, but uh, to tell you the truth, I love it. Um, I was telling my wife and a couple of my friends that uh, I knew I would want to do this. Um, I didn't know how much I would love it, and uh, it's the end of the season now. Uh, we were making a playoff push, and uh, I, I've really come to, you know, enjoy what I've been doing, you know. And uh, like I said, I don't like the struggles that the pitchers go through, um, you know. I didn't like them when I was a player, but now you see them, you really can't do much um, as, a, as a coach other than guide them and maybe the right direction. But um, the pitching coaches before me that I had, you know, they said that, you know, it, it, they took like 13 different personalities to heart, you know, rather than the, the, the player himself doing it. So I really know what they're talking about now. <laughs> uh, what would you say is your, your favorite part of the job at this point? Uh, like I just mentioned, uh, learning learning the different personalities and uh, and being able to work with uh, a different one each day and uh, making, you know, the individual better on a, on a daily basis over the course of a, a season. Now, a lot of A's fans might remember you from, from pitching in the major leagues for the A's. Uh, how much does your experience as a major league pitcher help you in terms of preparing these guys for what they need to do to, to get where they ultimately want to go? Uh, I, yeah, um, you know, I played with the A's, and I think that's uh, I think that's valuable information to give them because they see you as a guy who's been there. Um, they see you as a guy who's had highs and lows, um, maybe more lows and highs, and work through them and, and, and have some success in short spurts, but... Um, th- this is what they're doing here um, at this level is they're, they're witnessing probably some of their failures uh, more so than their career here um, and being able to adapt and adjust to get better and uh, end up it, like end on a good note coming into the spring training but um, seeing me as an example of a guy who didn't have you know pretty much all the talent but was able to squeak out everything he could is uh, hopefully a, ho- a huge tool for them and you know the questions they ask or you know um, putting down you know daily routines or even pitch sequencing and just understanding how to read hitters from a, a perspective of we have so much information now um, I don't know if all these kids know how to use it <laughs> so maybe starting back black and white and teaching them like 
how a hitter gives you information before we see it on the computer itself. Um, but to answer your question, I think it's hopefully I, I, I'm a huge uh, tool for them looking at it. <laughs> well, hopefully as a, as a guy who had to sort of fight for, for everything you got in the major leagues yourself, you, you, I'm sure you learned a lot of valuable lessons along the way. Do, do, the, do the guys in generally, are they receptive to, to the advice you have? Do you, sometimes you have to, to fight a little bit to get through to some of the guys to make them accept things? Or No, I actually I have not been. And I, I, like I said, I, I hope it wasn't going to get to the point to where I had to fight or you know push it on them. Um, but they've been very, very very receptive of the information I've given them um, you know and I think a lot has to do with you know maybe the the tone and the manner you use it and like the best advice I've ever gotten going into maybe coaching is uh, just don't forget you played and how hard it was so and I remember uh, you know as a player what worked for me and what didn't work for me coming from a coach's perspective where they would talk and what set you know like really sank in and so I try to use that every day of how the, the what's the message I'm going to get around to these guys and how am I going to get it and sometimes the how is bigger than what I'm getting across because if they don't retain in it, it what's that matter so um, I find myself really really trying to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm presenting it in a, in a fashion that I would probably want to accept it as a player right that makes sense what what are some of the things that guys at this level in particular tend to be struggling with or working with that you know what are the, what are some of the key things you have to really work with guys on at this at this stage of the game of their development uh, repeating you know their successes uh, you'll go out there for possibly you know two or three starts and everything's clicking and then it just kind of falls off and working back to get that and they think it's the end of the world when that doesn't happen and they'll you know trying to put together a solid foundation of you know success and repeatability that you know they can use and it's you know getting their work in but how they go about it is what I'm concerned about are they doing their daily stuff like mentally and physically prepping to get on the mound and play catch and then get the results they want on the game day because they tend to see the results on game day when the older they get, they know it's the preparation before the game day. So right. um, a lot of guys here, they, they want to go 10 steps backwards when they've been chipping away at having some success and repeatability in their delivery and mechanics and, and mentally just kind of kind of staying positive. They, they go so negative so fast that it's kind of like don't give up on about outing. Sometimes the hitters just get get us you know and so I'm, I'm always trying to talk to them you know like how to stay positive and you know it's not the end of the world if you know one home run two home <laughs> runs it doesn't matter I mean we still are good and we have to come back in five days tomorrow we have to start work so um, that's probably the hardest part this year is seeing them you know fail and not be able to climb back as fast as they fall you know they fall real fast but they don't climb as high <laughs> yeah well developing consistency not just on the mound but off the mound as, as well is key right yeah. let me just briefly before we let you go ask you about a couple of pitchers who who that may have applied to here but some some of the most talented guys you've had to this year I think Brady Feigl he started out those first three months of the season April May June so solid so consistent so dependable uh, and and then he struggled a bit in July and August can you talk a little bit about what what led to his success early on and maybe what what hurdles he's struggling with now at this point yeah he started off uh you know on fire and you know we're coming back to that that same form now um but he really he really dialed in his bullpen routines um after kind of stepping back and asking like what do i want out of myself this season what do i want to you know what's my objectives and he really went with it and uh he altered like the way he goes about his business he's a i would i like to call him all the time i always tease him but he's a pro now he, he's a pro about how he goes about his business it's this is a job now this is a craft that he has to constantly work on um, and we, we probably went away from that as far as like the ability to be a pro sometimes is 
oh, I got it in the tank, or I can <laughs> flick the switch when I want it. So right. he's learning the hard way that it's not just a switch that turns on. So. Um, you know the accolades of being a pro you know you you're understanding your body and you're understanding how it works but sometimes the bad side of being a pro is sometimes you have a mindset of I can just show up and it'll be there take so it for granted take it for granted <laughs> so sometimes you know you show up and it's not there and it's like a panic attack and you kind of have to search for what you're what we had a couple months ago I'm not saying that that usually happens with Brady or it did happen with Brady but um, the ability to understand and control his body um, through a big workload I think has been probably one of our biggest uh, problems is you know, when you're tired, your arm starts to lag and, you know, body parts don't go as well as they want. But um, just being able, like I talked about earlier, is repeat that delivery that worked for you. And when you're tired, it's just small little things. Maybe you'd be a little quicker, but these kids come from college and the pro ball and it's a long season some of them are it's their first full year um, so we're dealing with all that but um, he started off hot we're back on the ball and you know I, I want to see him continue to have success here in the future and then finally one intriguing arm you've got here as well is uh, Hogan Harris he was a third round draft pick last year he was hurt after he was drafted didn't get on the field for a while till this till this summer actually but he's been pitching really well for you here and it looks like he has a lot of potential in that left arm of his too so what do you think of what you've seen out of Hogan Harris yeah yeah I've, I've had Hogan Hogan for a little bit now, and uh, it's a it's a good good strong power arm from the left side, uh, consistent. You know, we had uh, Puck and Lazardo come through here, but not you know didn't stay too long. But uh, Hogan's been here, and uh, he's putting in work. He he's another guy that is trying to be a pro. You know, he uh, he was probably the best guy in his high school and college, and now he's here with his peers, and he sees what it takes to to get better, and he's he's striving for that. He's working hard, and you can tell that it, the, the lights turning on for him to not just overpower with a fastball because he has a good one, but his secondary pitches, and he's really working and striving for that, that pitch ability. Right. Well, certainly you've got a couple of talented guys on the staff here. It's great to see them developing over the course of the season, and I'm sure uh, you, you uh, deserve some of the credit for that. So thanks so much for taking the time out to talk to us, and best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. Stay tuned for more on our A's Farm podcast coming right up. The A's made shortstop Jeremy Ironman their third overall pick in last year's draft, taking him just after outfielders Kyler Murray and Jamison Hanna. Ironman showed plenty of power and speed in his college career, and he's currently second on the team with 13 home runs, while also swiping 11 bases this season for Stockton. Thanks for joining us today, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, anytime, anytime. So uh, let me ask you, uh, you were drafted last year right after the second round. I believe it was the competitive balance round. Uh, how exciting was it to be to be drafted, go through that experience, be up there in the first few rounds going in the draft last year? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, a dream come true. Uh, I mean, that's something that I've been uh, striving for my whole life. So, I mean, for it to finally pay off and to hear my name called was a very surreal moment. And, you know, I'm just, I was really happy. So. Now, I think you come from a bit of a baseball family, if I'm correct. Is that right? Yes, 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 I do. Tell me about that. Uh, yeah, uh, my dad played uh, for Rice um, uh, in late 80s, early 90s, and then he got drafted by the Red Sox out of there. Uh, and he played for, I think, four or five years. And then uh, my brother got drafted in 2011 by the Rays in the third round, and he played for a few years. and. Yeah, I am. So. <laughs> so this isn't completely new to you. You kind of know what it's like a little bit uh, secondhand anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got a, I got a good 
little bit of an idea of what it's like. I mean, just just by them kind of telling me, but I mean, never really going to know until you come experience it for yourself. So until you get out there. Yeah. Now, after you were drafted last year, you spent some time playing at Vermont, and then the organization decided to have you skip Beloit and sent you right here to Stockton in the California League. So, how did you feel about that? To having them show that kind of confidence in you to have you sort of skip a, skip a level? Yeah, I mean, it, it felt good that uh, I skipped that I skipped that level, but I mean, it's also been a uh, it's been a grind up here. But I mean, it's it's a it's a learning process, and uh, I think I'm, I'm starting to really figure it out here towards the end. So I mean, I'm I'm happy. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that adjustment to the California League High A. I'm sure the pitching you're seeing here is a little different than some of the pitching you were facing maybe last year in the New York Penn League. Can you talk a little bit about some of the some of the differences you face here at this level? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just uh, I think it's less less mistakes here. I mean, really, I mean, yeah, the pitching is overall probably probably better, but I mean, it's it's less mistakes here and. Uh, I think that's that's the difference is not missing the mistake once you get it and they kind of make you pay if you do miss that one fastball you get down the middle so I think that's the that's the adjustment needs to be made climbing levels is not missing your pitch so Right, you're not going to get another a second opportunity, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you about some of the some of the other adjustments you've made this year. Any other adjustments to your either your approach or your stance or your swing? Any any adjustments you made over the course of the season here at Stockton? Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've kind of uh, I came in the season with a lot of moving parts, uh, a lot of loud movements uh, early, and that was causing me to kind of swing and miss quite a bit more than I'd like. Uh, so I think that's kind of been the adjustment going through the year is kind of quieting everything down and slowing everything down for me at the plate. And I mean that's I mean that's been the biggest part. And then I mean obviously just really not missing my pitch. I mean that's hitting the mistakes. That's been that's been my goal. And I'm getting better at it through the year. And. And that's all I can really ask for. So, <laughs> well, fortunately, you've shown some pop. I think you're second on the team in, in home runs at this point, anyway. And you've shown a little bit of speed. You've, you've stolen some bases as well. Uh, the one thing I think you haven't you haven't taken that that many walks this year is is plate discipline something you've been working on or the coach has been working on with you too. Yeah, that's 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 definitely an adjustment that I've went into the off season last year looking to looking to get better at, and that's going to be another adjustment I go into instructs after this year and to the off season looking for is the plate discipline and I mean I think that really goes back towards not missing your pitch you don't have to worry about those nasty pitches with two strikes if you hit it early in the count so I mean I think that's that's going to be an adjustment that I make is not missing my pitch and working on that plate discipline so well, I think instructs are just coming up in a few weeks, uh, pretty early this year. So you'll you'll be down there working on it before long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Now, starting this season, when Nick Allen was here, you were pretty much splitting time between shortstop and second base, and I'm, I'm sure you primarily think of yourself as a shortstop. But how did it feel playing over there at second base a lot early in the season? Yeah, I mean, I I, I liked it actually. I mean, I think it's good to be uh, versatile as possible, and uh, I mean, it was a good experience. I mean, I I play third if they ask me to. I play first. It don't really matter. I mean, it's. Once you get a chance in the big leagues, you're not you're probably not going to go play the position you want to play right away. So I mean, I think I think that's uh, definitely something that I've been striving towards is being able to play everywhere, and that's the player I want to be known as being able to play wherever they they put me at and play it well. So it was good. Well, versatility never hurts. It only gives you more opportunities, right? <laughs> well, now that we're just heading into the home stretch of the season here, we're counting down the final days of the minor league season. What What's on your mind? What are you focused on? What are you thinking about? What are you trying to accomplish as we uh, get to the end of the season here? Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just uh, 
trying to keep making the same adjustments I've been making all year and trying to finish season strong in these last last few games, hopefully make the playoffs and continue it through there and take that into instructs into the offseason. I mean, that's really my goal is just to get better every day, and uh, I'm working to do that and, and just really finish strong. So. Just uh, keep moving forward, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, best of luck to you. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. Stay tuned for more on our A's Farm podcast coming right up. The A's took third baseman Jonah Bride in the 23rd round of last year's draft. The organization obviously believed in his abilities and sent him to Stockton this season, where he's turned out to be one of the port's most productive hitters and he was boasting an OPS of nearly 800 when we spoke near the end of August. Hey, thanks for joining us today, Jonah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So uh, you were drafted last year, not terribly high. I think you were a 23rd round draft pick, right? But the organization obviously had a lot of faith in you because they decided to skip uh, Midwest League for you, skip Beloit, send you right here to Stockton, the California League. How did how did that make you feel to know they had that kind of confidence in your hitting abilities? Yeah, I mean, it felt great um, for an organization to have that kind of faith faith in me, especially not being the highest pick. So, I mean, I tried to take that into this year and use that as confidence, um, showing that, I mean, they think highly of you. Um, so I got off to a slow start, but... Um, picked it up ever since about after the first month and then really got going in uh, July. So hopefully finish the season strong as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Obviously, you came here, you got off to a slow start in April. I think you were hitting in the 140s. Mm-hmm. That, that couldn't have felt good to, to start out the season that way. Can, can you just tell me a little bit about what that struggle was like, what you were going through, what you were dealing with, how you were feeling at that point? Yeah, it was definitely a struggle. I mean, so I, it was... I was struggling, but I think there were some other people with me. So, I mean, we kind of just push each other every single day to keep grinding. I mean, it's not going to continue that, continue like that. So um, just having the faith in each other, the coaches working with you every day, having faith in you that you're going to figure it out and uh, eventually get going. And I think for the most part, I mean, as a team, we've really stepped it up ever since that first month as a, as a hitting group for sure. Well, I know you individually, you started to hit a little better in May, and then in June and July, you were totally on fire. You were one of the team's best hitters in, in June and July. What really turned around in terms of your hitting, in terms of your approach, in terms of your swing? What happened to enable you to succeed so well in the summer? Uh, I think I think I was at first struggling and, and going to all sorts of different things, trying to find one thing here, one thing there, and finally I think I got a little confidence with, in, with one thing and just stuck with it. And... Uh, as I said, I mean, we worked every every single day. I mean, you, you get that grind, so um, just trying to find something that works and getting the confidence, and then you're able to stick with it and uh, take it in your at-bats every single day. Well, I know one thing that seems to be good about you is you, you do take some walks. It seems like you show some plate discipline, which is always a good thing to see out of a young player. And also in the A's organization, they like to know that you're, you're willing to take a few pitches and get on base. Have you always uh, had a good eye at the plate, always shown good plate discipline in your college career as well? Yeah, I'd say that um, growing up, that I was kind of just a good discipline hitter. Um, not as much power. I think I've started to come in a little, I've gotten a little stronger, which has helped. And I think I can still continue to get stronger. But um Yeah, I mean, I like to have good discipline, but I think this year I've also struck out too much, so I'd like to um, help fix, I mean, fix that. I mean, that's that's a big part too, just put the ball in play. I mean, so get better with that and uh, get stronger and just continue to make strides every day. Well, last year you hit well in your time in Vermont, obviously. That made the organization know that you could hit well at that level anyway. But how different is the pitching here at this level, at high A in California League, as opposed to what you were seeing in Vermont in the New York Penn League? Yeah, I mean, it's just more polished is what I would say. I mean, I I wouldn't say we're used to seeing 2-0 change-ups, 3-1 change-up, 3-1 sliders. I mean, 
you, you, it's just more off speed and counts that you're really not expecting. Um, you still got to be able to hit the heater, but at the same time, I think there's just off speed command is better and you. you they keep you guessing up there for sure. And that brings me to my next question. Is I just wonder, what kind of adjustments have you had to make over the course of the season? I mean, we've been through a few months of the season now. It's a long season. And, you know, I'm sure as a young player, there are a lot of adjustments you're making either in your swing or your stance or your approach at the plate over the course of the season. What kind of adjustments have you made this year? I think I think a big thing that you really got to do is, is you start to go higher um, is just getting pitches in the right zone. I think um, you're able to get away with looking for certain pitches. But as I said, with like with the last question, is um, you don't know what what pitch you're going to get in what count. It's all it's also different. Everyone's throwing every pitch and every count now. So you're really looking for more of a zone to hit in um, rather than just one pitch. So yeah, trying to zone up, um, looking for a pitch in a certain spot of the plate is something that I've really tried to get better at this year. And as a team, I think we talk about that. So looking for pitches in that zone where you can you you feel confident you can do some damage yeah. there. Yeah. Whether it's curveball, changeup, fastball, you I mean. Early in the count, fastball, but after that especially, you just you just got to find something and, and just find a barrel. So, Well, we're heading into the final days of the season here now that we're just kind of winding down here at the end of the season. What's on your mind? What are you focused on? What are you thinking about? What are you trying to accomplish as we head into these final uh, final days of the season? Well, I mean, we're, we're a couple games back in the playoff hunt, so I think as a team we can um, just grind this out. I mean, I, what is it? I think it's eight games. I don't know, whatever it is, but I mean, that's enough games, especially with we're playing San Jose a bunch, and they're one of the teams ahead of us, and we're about to play Modesto as well. So um, if we can just grind it out, I mean, everyone, we know we're close, and uh, we've played this long, so finish it strong and try to make a push. Great. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, and best of luck the rest of the way. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Stay tuned for more on our A's Farm podcast coming right up. For more than a decade, Zach Beirudi has been the man behind the mic in Stockton, and we recently took the chance to talk with him about this season in Stockton and to get his impression of some of the A's top prospects playing for the Ports. Thanks for joining us again today, Zach. Thanks for having me, Bill. It's always a pleasure. So how long have you been in the Cal League? Remind people again. Uh, this is year number 14 wrapping up right now, so it's it's been a, a wild 14 years. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this year's 2019 Stockton Ports. What's Compare it to past seasons. What's distinct? What's different? What's unique about this season here in Stockton? Um, this might be a little bit abstract, but I think the, the brand of baseball that we're seeing all over the game is, is fairly unique. Um, you know, it's just been, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a different feel to the game, and, and maybe it goes back even a little bit to last year, but you see starting pitchers not going as deep into games. You see more specialized, you know, relief roles, and, um, you know, you see maybe a little more swing and miss than you have in, in years past, and maybe that's just in the way the game's evolving, but in terms of, like, on a macro level, that's what struck me about this year being different than in years past as far as the team uh, I, I don't know quite what my reference point would be for for how this team might be different than than in years past I mean there's still been you know the same type of number of prospects that we'd usually have in terms of high level prospects that we've seen in, in years past but I think just the, the evolution of the game has struck me more this year than than in other years well also uh, something that struck me is there's a lot lot fewer home runs here in the Cal League this year both in Stockton and in the Cal League in general which is kind of unusual in particular since they, home runs seem to be on the rise everywhere else in the game of baseball um, what, what are your thoughts about that it's it's like bizarro baseball and I you know I called nine games for the Reno Aces and the PCL this year 
at that ballpark in Reno. And the ball the ball was jumping in Reno. I mean, it was unlike anything I'd seen. And you're talking to a guy that has done his share of games in Lancaster and High Desert, and it was it was kind of on par with that. Um, it's striking that the the team batting averages are so low this year, and maybe I'd attribute that to the swing and miss. Um, you know, with the, the the launch angle being taught, you know, now at a very young age, and and you know the ball put, being put in play, I guess less and less, and, and not to mention the pitchers are more power oriented too. Um, you know, I think maybe guys just not putting the ball in play, but it, it is striking how at the middle of the season, I'm looking at these you know team batting averages, and, and Lancaster's leading the league per usual, but it's like 260 something, and right. it's it's outrageous to think that usually in this league uh, the team leading the league in average is, is well over 300. Yeah, you're used to looking at the Cal League uh, numbers across the board and trying to figure out what's reality because they're so inflated. And this year they're kind of deflated, and and it's other leagues that <laughs> that are much more inflated. It's kind of strange. Talk about some of the players who've impressed you here this year, because as we know, this is this is a ball. It might be high, but it's still a ball. And this is about prospects, you know. So even more important than winning and losing, it's how these guys are developing on the field. So talk about some of the players who've stood out to you, who've maybe impressed you over the course of this season. You know, Trace. Lair's not here anymore, um, but he is a guy that I've I've just heaped praise on this year because he's he's kind of now a little bit under the radar, um, you know. And, and everybody forgets that that he was drafted and and you know decided to forego a commitment to go to Oregon State, and the A's uh, took him out of high school, and he hit his stride this year in a big way. I, he's made every single play at second base. Um, and he also hit, and I, I, the average is escaping me. It was somewhere in the, the 270 to 280 something range. Um, and I've had scouts come up to me and actually ask me quite a bit about about Trace Lair and if they're missing anything. And I'm like, no, he literally has made every play at second base, and and he's been uh, such a cog in in the lineup. Um, and again, he's not here. He's in Vegas, which is very well deserved for him. Um, so I think Trace stands out in my mind. And also Alfonso Rivas, who today just went to, to Vegas because Seth Brown, you know, got called up, and we we love that. Congratulations to Seth. Um, but uh, Rivas, I would I would say, is probably the best pure hitter uh, on the team in terms of. Uh, in terms of putting up a professional at bat every single time, and I've talked to opposing pitchers who have said he's maybe the toughest out in, in the league in their mind this year. So I think that just speaks to what, what he's done at the plate. Obviously, a couple very high-profile prospects here, Austin Beck and Lazaro Armenteras. Everybody's interested in them. They're still young. They're still learning. They've had hurdles to overcome this season. What kind of progress have you seen out of them? Where do you feel the two of them are at from having watched them uh, every day here over the course of the season? And I wasn't trying to, to, to intentionally exclude them from, from the previous question. I just think that you know, with, with Trace and, and, and what Alfonso have done this year, they deserved mention. Um, I mean, and they've both been promoted, so it's been recognized. Yeah. They've, they've both been promoted. And, uh, you know, with Austin, it's been uh, – I've felt for him at times this year because he's had nagging injuries. He had a quad injury that kept him on the DL for, you know, I think at first it was two weeks, and then I think he had to miss close to a, almost a month with, uh, with that quad injury, which is nagging, and it's tough to stay in a groove. And that being said, he's actually turned in a pretty good season considering he's had to miss the time that, that he's missed. Um, he's played a great center field and also put up some very good at-bats. Uh, you know, I think there are times this season um, where maybe he has 
struggled to adjust to the, the different level. But again, I think you attribute that to the amount of time that he's had to miss. Um, but you could definitely see it with him. Um, and, and I think the future is bright for him. And hopefully next year he's able to stay healthy and be consistently healthy throughout the course of the year. Um, I mean, Lazarito is leading the team in home runs. So there's that. And it's, as well as walks and strikeouts, right? Yeah. Which is fascinating. Which is fascinating. And, uh, you know, and, and this is not. You know, I'm, I'm saying this because it's a fact, and I don't want to. I don't want to jump on him here, but I mean, he's he's going to set the league record for the number of times having struck out in a single season. He's two away going into tonight's game, um, so obviously there's a lot of swing and miss there. There has been this year, and it's you know he's so young, and and he's he's been you know aggressively kind of brought to this level and and he might i don't know if he's going to repeat the level i don't know if they might try him uh you know at midland next year um but you see that you see the tools that they see i mean sometimes you, you can't see it but you see it with armenteros i mean he's got blazing speed um he's gotten better in the outfield instinctually i know that there have been points earlier in this season where you know he'd, he'd throw into the wrong base and and runner from first would advance and i think the arm's gotten a little bit better even as the season's gone on um so you can you can see it and you just hope that that you know during the off season he's able to work on not being exposed it was the breaking ball that really did it to him and, and and getting him all out of sorts and you hope that this offseason he might be able to rectify that a bit and start making more consistent contact right well the guy who uh, had to be a pleasure to watch early in the season before he got injured was Nick Allen mm. you know I mean he came here to Stockton with a great reputation for his defense his work in the field everybody knew he was a, a great fielding shortstop but nobody thought he much that much of his bat really it was like okay well maybe he'll hit enough to get get by mm -hmm. you know but he came here to Stockton and not only was he playing great in the field but he was hitting a ton as well mm -hmm. and I think when he went on the injured list he was actually leading the team in extra base hits and I don't think anyone would have expected that Nick Allen would be the, the team extra base hits leader in <laughs> the midseason yeah was, you know and I, I see these guys for the first time most of them when they first get here and so all I have to go off of are the numbers and the scouting reports and I'm like okay well you know Nick Allen's going to be this defensive wizard and you know and then we'll, and we'll see and he not only hit he drove the ball which which to your point uh, he, he was leading the league in doubles he homered a couple of times Times, and it seemed like every time he made contact, he was making hard contact. And it's unfortunate that his season was cut down when it was at the end of June. Um, fortunately, it was not as bad of an injury as it, as it looked. It looked pretty nasty from watching it from the press box with him trying to dive into home plate and then writhing in pain. And it turns out it was a, you know, an ankle sprain is what it was. Um, so I'm glad for him that it wasn't anything catastrophic, but it's too bad for him because he was really making a name for himself in this league this year. Right. Well, before we go, I wanted to be sure to mention an interesting development for you this year as well, because I know you'll be guesting on uh, the A's play-by-play -play team on the radio here soon with uh, Vince Catronio. Well, uh, Ken Korak is off, so you're getting the call to the majors before the end of the season, too, getting a little September call-up, at least for a night anyway. Yeah. How much are you looking forward to doing that? And tell us a little bit about how that came to be as well uh, well it's a dream come true first of all and I can't thank the A's enough um, you know I've obviously been doing this for 14 years and and I've been lucky to be 
with the A's for 14 years at this level, as you know, affiliations can change. And uh, being with the A's for a long period of time has has helped me develop the relationship. Um, and Ken and Vince have been tremendous to me. Uh, you know, I, and and Vince was one of the guys that spearheaded the effort to kind of bring me up for a game. Uh, so that's kind of the genesis of it. I got the call on July 3rd. I was I'll never forget it. I was in Visalia. It was 9:30 in the morning, and I thought I was getting a spam call. I just said the best call you ever got in Visalia. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was it ended up being Matt Pearl. And I'm like, who's this number? And it was it was Matt Pearl, the director of broadcasting. And he said, you know, this is one of the coolest parts of my job. And I want to invite you to come up and do a game on September 3rd versus the Angels. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a total dream come true. And, and anybody that's ever broadcast minor league baseball uh, knows how hard it is to, to even get a chance at that level and to to be able to do it for a day. Um, I, I'll forever be grateful for that. Well, take note of that, A's fans. You can hear Port's play-by-play man, Zach Bayrudi, on the A's broadcast with Vince Catronio, the radio broadcast, on September 3rd. You can hear one of the finest play-by-play announcers in the California League. Thanks so much for taking the time out to join us today. Thanks, Bill. It's always a pleasure, man. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our A's Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find daily updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 